Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. This week, we traveled to South Florida. Really excited to have had Lennon on from EcoStrike, Collegiate Case Records. He does a lot of awesome things, not only for South Florida, but for a lot of bands. And I've always respected what he's done. So I'm very happy to have been able to have him on. And I actually had the pleasure of meeting Lennon in San Diego. Me and some friends, we drove out to the EcoStrike Magnitude and Vision Tour that was hitting the Che Cafe. And it was a real pleasure being able to meet him before having him on the podcast. And that got me way more amped up because being able to meet him in person and see how he really is just a straight up genuine dude. We bonded over uh, our common interests like comic books and talked about the scene and just hardcore in general. And like I told him, I respect what he does. So it was a pleasure to have been able to have had him on. And I'm really excited to share the conversation that I had with Lennon with you guys. So without further ado, welcome Lennon to the podcast. podcast hey what's up man uh not much i really appreciate you doing this i feel like this has been like a long time coming because if i think back it was when i had bob wilson on mm-hmm. uh, we talked off air and he offered uh to help me out w- with the podcast if i needed um, help getting like, any guests on and i mentioned to him that i'd been wanting to try to get somebody from Florida on the podcast because previously I had reached out to some bands before, but just never really heard anything back. And uh-huh. yeah. And I'm just happy that um, we were able to link up through Instagram and get this thing going. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate you uh, asking me to come on. So man, there's like so many things that I, I want to talk about. So um, forgive me if I'm just like uh, jumping around um, from different topics. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I, I guess uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about was uh, today Triple B announced um, AHC. Uh-huh. And uh, are you still in Big Mac? Um, yeah, I guess Big Mac is I'm not going to be playing AHC. Um, I basically that's like one of a small handful of weekends that I just cannot take off work. It's like blackout dates for work for me. Um. So I'm not going to be playing in Big Mac. I'm not sure who's going to be filling in on drums, um, but it's cool that uh, Big Mac is playing for sure. Yeah, it was awesome to see that that there were some cool bands from Florida being represented on that fest. Yeah, I mean, the past couple of years, Sam has done a good job of getting um, some Florida bands to play. So that's cool. OK, well, the other fest I got announced uh, last week was FYA, which is a pretty yeah. big deal. 
I was uh, surprised, uh, like with the lineup, because like I've always wanted to go, but I, I just never really had anybody who was down to go to Florida. And at the time, yeah. I just didn't really have any friends that lived out there, so it was just like kind of seemed like not really possible. And just over the past couple of years, I've actually just made friends who are actually down to travel. But yeah, I, but it turns out like, you know, work would always get in the way. But this year I saw the lineup and I was just like, man, I have to go. And luckily things just kind of fell into place. And uh, I was able to get tickets. My friends and I already got an Airbnb. So yeah. I'm actually like really like looking forward to going this year. Yeah, I think the lineup this year is fucking awesome. Um, Bob does like a really incredible job at like putting together a fest that I think is pretty uh, varied in terms of what it represents. It's like a good represent. It's like a good snapshot of what's going on with hardcore um, right now. And there's like a lot of, there's like something for everybody on that fest. And I think that that's, that's like Bob's whole goal with it is to do like a fest that doesn't really appeal or cater so much to like one little niche within hardcore. And it's like a, it's like a very well-rounded fest, I think. Yeah, like looking at the lineup, it's definitely like a good representation of what's going on currently in hardcore. And then there's also, you know, some like older bands, which I'm definitely yeah. excited to see. Uh, Jesus Peace got added or got added today. Did you see that? Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I I thought that was interesting because it, it came in like a week after the announcement. And I'm just wondering if there was like any other bands that are going to come in late. No, I'm pr- I, that's that's pr- that's it. That's it for the lineup. Okay. Um, yeah. So I know that there was like Bob was holding out for like one. I think he was just waiting to hear back from them, and it they were like the last band he was waiting on, and it came time to announce, it and he was just like, "Hey, I'm just gonna announce it how it is. Just like let me know if you can do it." And then I think like the day after the um single day split ups were announced they were like oh yeah we can do it so he just waited an extra week until he was able to put up the uh single day passes with it so okay yeah that's cool i I can't remember the last time i saw jesus piece so definitely looking forward to seeing them yeah i think that um i think that them playing it it will be good because they didn't play last year and they played kind of like every year for like a while leading up to that um, and then, so like, I think the fact that there's like a, been like a year off, I think, uh, that it'll be, I think them taking a year off and then coming back and playing will be good for them. One question I had, uh, I didn't see eco strike on the list. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so it's kind of the same deal for us. We've played the last couple years and, uh, we have a new record coming out, but it's not going to be out in time for the fest. And it's just like one of those things where it's just like, I don't want to play the third year in a row on the same material and have it just not be as good as the last two years. Um, So I Bob Bob is the main guy who does the fest. I kind of um, am one of a handful of people who kind of like helps him out a little bit where I guess we could we're like, I guess, kind of like we just like kick ideas around. Um, And when the idea about Eco Strike playing came up. We kind of all were on the same page about it. I think Eco Strike is going to be playing an after show, though. Um, so it'll be cool. But I, as far as just the main fest goes, like I said, we've just been playing the same material, and I didn't want to play the fest again on the same stuff. Um, 
so I just felt like it'd be better to use that slot for somebody else who's a little bit more uh, active right now, and it just could be better used with another band, I think. Okay. All right, yeah. man. So uh, there's two different directions two different directions I want to head in. Um, so okay. uh, I'm trying to figure out which what one would be best. Okay, all right. You mentioned after show, right? Uh-huh. And I followed um, my buddy Donnie. Shout outs to Donnie. He plays in yeah. Wise and Epsara. Yeah. Could could that be the same after show you're talking about? Uh, yeah, I think it is the same after show. Okay, all right. I, I just had to ask because Donnie posted on his Instagram, uh, I think maybe like a day or two after the FYA announcement saying that Absaro wasn't going to be playing an after show. So Yeah, they're, they're, they're playing an after show. So um, I think it is the same one. So that should be cool. Um, when we were out there in California, uh, Eco Strike on the Magnitude and Vision tour, we played two shows with them and they were – so Epsara, when I say them, I mean Epsara. Um, and they were so fucking good. They're like one of my favorite bands right now. Um, their demo is like one of my favorite demos that's come out in a while. Um, and they were awesome live both nights. So it was cool to get to see them. Um, and I think I'm going to do, well, not I think, I'm going to do a, uh, I'm going to do a release for them on Plead Your Case. Um, which is something that I had kind of wanted to do since I heard their demo, but I wanted to see them live and like talk to them in person about it. Um, instead of just like sending them a message out of the blue and being like, Hey, let me put out something for your band. So after seeing them, I was like, Hey, please let me put out the next thing for your band. I I fucking love you guys. So, um, I'm going to do their next thing. And when we were kicking around the idea for after shows and stuff with the fest, I was like, Yo, I, I'm going to do something for uh, this band, Epsara, hopefully. So we should definitely try to – you should definitely try to hook them up with a spot. And everybody involved in the fest like likes that demo a lot. So it just worked out well, I think. I think their set at that after show will be fucking awesome. That's cool. I, I'm, I'm actually really stoked that you have taken an interest in that band because yeah, so they're still fairly new. Um, they're not, like, super active. Mm-hmm. Because they obviously like members playing other bands, but yeah. I'm happy that you've taken notice because they're just like one of those bands that are just so good. But obviously yeah. the the members have like other obligations. So yeah, I, yeah, I know that they play in like Wise and Initiate and stuff mm-hmm. amongst some other bands. But yeah, um, when that demo came out, I honestly just checked it out because I saw Donnie post about it, and I saw the name and I was like, oh, this is a, this is a cool name. It's like kind of different and like. That's like what caught my attention. And the first time I heard the demo, like I feel like there's a lot of stuff that comes out nowadays where I hear it and I'm like, okay, this is cool. And then I have to kind of sit with it a little bit and like it grows on me. But their demo was like right away. The first time I heard it, I was like, okay, this is so fucking awesome. So I'm glad it's worked out that I'm getting to put out something for them. Yeah. Hell yeah. Thank you for supporting bands from California. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you mentioned that um, Eco Strike, Magnitude, and Vision Tour. I, yeah. I, I, I was driving home from work today, and I was thinking about it, and it didn't really like um, hit me until like I was driving home. I, I was thinking about how that tour, you guys played two different shows that merged with two different tours. Yeah. And. So on the one tour is the Summer of Fear. Like um, you guys played in Northern California with Vatican, uh, 
typecast life's question and man I'm, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm missing one other band sorry and then in LA think, wait go ahead I think that might have been it maybe I hope I'm not forgetting but I'm pretty sure it was just those three bands okay and then in LA you guys uh merged with the the final backtrack tour yeah can you talk about uh, both of the shows like um like because they're just like like the different styles of hardcore that came together like I, I feel like you guys got to see like you know two different spectrums and I, I think it's pretty yeah. interesting yeah um so the show that we merged with the uh Vatican typecast uh life's question tour um was cool I feel like there's definitely a lot of kids at that show who would not have come out to see our bands and then probably some kids who have would not have gone out to the other show if they were separate shows. So it was definitely successful um, in the sense that I feel like definitely some kids walked away probably checking out some shit that they wouldn't have checked out otherwise and being into it, um, which is cool. Um, that was my first time seeing Life's Question. They were fucking awesome. I really like that band a lot. Um, they were they were sick. That show was in a bowling alley which is pretty crazy. Um, I've, I've played in a bowling alley one other time in my life. Um, but that's, that's always fun. We, we all bowled before we played. That was cool. Um, and then the show in LA was awesome. We didn't really know what to expect. Cause it was like, you know, like a bigger show and we were playing at the beginning of it. And like, we didn't know if kids were going to come out early and like check us out, but like, it was just cool to be on it either way, but it ended up cool. Kids came out early and, uh, checked out our, bands and it was a lot of fun yeah and i i always think it's interesting that you weren't sure if kids were gonna get, come out early for you guys and i'm like like i don't know if my like perspective is like skewed but when i like look at eco strike and like what like you're doing I, I feel like a lot of kids are paying attention so like in my mind i'm just like okay kids are gonna show out like i, I know they release like extra tickets to the backtrack show because I, I know it's sold out so yeah. so i i just uh yeah like it, it just doesn't really make sense to me that you would question if kids would turn out early for you guys you just never know i don't know you, you just never know and like i don't know i i don't ever really think about like oh like our kids paying attention like to what like eco strikes doing like we just like do our thing and and like if kids are into it cool and if they're not like whatever but it i i don't i don't really try to think about it too much so you know okay so off the top of my head if i remember correctly were there like on the west coast you guys started up in the pacific northwest and um by the time you went or from, but from the time you started from the Pacific Northwest to Arizona, were those just five dates or were there four dates? No, there was uh, Seattle, Portland. Um, we played, I'm trying to remember how many California shows we played. I think we played four California shows. Yeah, we played, we played four California shows and then Arizona and then three Texas shows. And then we flew home from, from Dallas. So the run you had uh, like down the coast, did you have any like bad turnouts for any of the dates? No, it was awesome. Um, pretty much every show was, was cool. Um, there were some shows that were like a little bit smaller, like attendance wise, but the vibe at those shows were really cool. Even better than some of the shows that were like better attended, honestly. Um, the, in particular, like the, 
I hate to like I don't even want it to sound like disparaging because I don't necessarily think that a small turnout for a show is like always a bad thing. Um, But like the Fresno show, the turnout was good, but it wasn't like it wasn't like as good as some of the other shows. But like every kid there was like psyched on it. And like all the bands got cool reactions and the vibe was just like awesome for that show. Now I'd so much rather have half the kids paid and like all of them going off than, you know, twice as many kids and they're all just kind of standing around. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I definitely understand that because uh, back in the day, you used to play in some crappy bands and I definitely thrived off the energy of the crowd. Yeah, it's 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 always it's I'd always rather have less people, better vibe than more people and just like kind of just like a weird vibe. So, OK, and I also have to like shout out the fact that you guys started that run up in the Pacific Northwest because mm-hmm. uh, like things like they, they used to have rain fest and there used to be like way more bands like doing yeah. like stuff from out of there. And like, I don't know if people just have like kind of forgotten. And I, I know it's like harder for bands to like get up that way to tour. So the fact that you guys um, made the choice to start there and work your way down, I, I think is awesome because like the people up there that are putting on for the scene in the Pacific Northwest like are awesome. And like the bands yeah. that are showing up right now are cool. Like shout out yeah. Species. The the Seattle show, um, Waylon from Lower Species booked the show, and it was fucking awesome. He he was like psyched on it too. He said that the show was like he said he knew it was going to be cool, but it was like way better than he even expected. And the show was honestly so awesome. Um, if for us it was like, you know, we're gonna fly out anyways, right? So it's like, why not just make it a point to play those places? you know, Seattle and Portland. Cause it's like, I don't know when else we're going to be able to do it. So we might as well do it while we can. So, okay. and on yeah. that Seattle show, uh, did you happen to catch uh, that band rejection pact? Uh, yeah. Um, we, they played that show. Uh, they were cool. They covered go it alone, which was cool. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't really know if anyone, if anyone would, uh, react to a go it alone song, but the cover got a good reaction. I guess that that would be the place where a go it alone cover would, go over well would be in seattle so for sure that's cool yeah my buddy devin sings for that band and they're from like Mm -hmm. idaho so i I was stoked to see them get that opportunity and play with you guys yeah i think they were on tour at the time and and their tour was coming down from uh northwest from like canada so it just like kind of worked out that we met up there okay all right yeah and i i would be remiss if i didn't ask about the arizona show Dude, it was one of the craziest shows I've ever played in my whole life. Okay, and if I remember correctly, that was the last show for that venue because I'm not yeah. sure what happened, but all I remember is that you guys played, and then I started seeing like a ton of posts about the place getting shut down. And did that happen while the show was going on, or did it happen after? No, there was a fight, like literally during the last like five seconds of the Eco Strike set. Like I guess the fight started and we like, as we were finishing and then like we stopped playing and like immediately there was like a bunch of like, you know, screaming and whatever. And then they, they went outside and like the whole show just like poured out and followed them out there. Um, and there was so many kids at that show that it just like escalated and like the cops showed up so fast. Probably one of the neighbors called the cops. I would assume, 
Cause you know, when there's that many people just like rushing out into the street and there's like a fight going on, it sucks. This spot was really cool. And it was like ironic. Like all the bands were like during their sets were like talking about, you know, Oh, this is like a really cool place. You know, this is like something that, you know, not everybody has. So you guys should definitely be grateful to have a spot like this and not take it for granted. And then there was like a stupid fucking fight. I mean, I don't know what the situation was. I don't know. It might've been over something, you know, not stupid, but it was, I don't know. It seemed dumb from an outside perspective and it went on for way too long and the show ended up getting shut down. So yeah, that sucks. So in that situation, obviously that's probably like some like local beef or something. You guys yeah. just stayed inside and packed up your gear. Yeah, pretty much. We like walked out. I like walked outside because all the merch was set up outside. Okay. So like walked outside and like it was just like such a humongous crowd. You couldn't really even tell what was going. You could tell there was some sort of fight going on in the middle of it. But like, you know, it's like I'm not from there. It's not my business. I'm not. I was just like not trying to like, you know, watch something even that I was like it wasn't my business. So. We just yeah. started packing our shit. And then by the time we were done packing up our shit, there was a ton of cops there. And like the dude who ran the show was basically like talking to us. He was like, yeah, they're, they're shutting this venue down. Like this is it. So it was a bummer. Damn. Yeah. I saw a, a couple of videos. I can't remember if it was on Instagram or Twitter, but it looked like there was a ton of kids going off. Yeah, it was cool. It was like so packed that like there was just like people like really like slammed up front, which is cool. There wasn't like a big gap. Um, and it was like a lot of singing along, which is cool. It was just like the vibe was just fucking awesome. It was really cool. It's a bummer that that place got shut down because the, the venue was very cool. Okay. So, yeah. so want to kind of bring it back to Eco Strike. Mm -hmm. So, from the demo till uh, now, you guys have had a re release, you know, 2016, 2017, 2018. Was mm -hmm. there a reason um, you guys skipped this year? I mean, the, just the lineup of the band now is like half of them are in magnitude. Um, and this is definitely like magnitude's year. Um, that their record, I think is like my favorite record that, that came out this year. I feel like a lot of people feel that way. And so like when they were like, writing that record and recording it and getting ready to put it out. I was kind of like, we all kind of were like, dude, there's no rush for us to do like an eco strike thing right now. Like take your time and do like your magnitude stuff. And we'll get back to the eco strike record. Like when we can, you know, um, the kid who plays bass in eco strike plays in a bunch of bands too. He plays in a uh, be all end all. They just put out a record on triple B. He plays in result of choice. Um, and then me and our guitar player play in envision, um, so we all just kind of have other things going on. So I think this year ego strike just kind of took a backseat to like everybody else's other bands. So, okay. And yeah. I, I think it's cool that you guys like all like collaborate and do different bands together. Mm -hmm. But, um, in situations like these, do you think maybe in, it would probably be better to get um, members like a little more spread out? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, Eco Strike would definitely be more active probably, but we might get burnt out too. So at the same time, it's like nice to be able to be like, okay, Eco Strike did some stuff for a little bit. And now it's like, I can go here and like do stuff with this band. And it's like a little bit different. Um, Cause all the bands that I play in are musically just like 
pretty pretty different for me i mean it's all hardcore but it's all like different enough to where it's like a different you know vibe doing it and like a different feeling doing it and like ego strike i sing for obviously and then like the other bands i play and i play drums for so it's just different and so i don't really get burnt out getting to do bands where they kind of take on like a different feel for me you know okay yeah i guess that makes sense because, yeah. like, honestly, like, I was just curious because like I don't know if there's like a right way to do it. Like I just think it's cool that you guys are all connected to like just like I think is like an awesome scene down there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just one of those things where that's like kind of how my friends have always been. It's like they always play in like a billion different bands at the same time. I feel like that's just kind of hardcore everywhere, though. It's like there's like, you know, only so many people who are into hardcore that can play instruments. So it's like you end up being in a bunch of bands with a bunch of shared members. Cause that's just how it is. And growing up, you were uh, trained in classical piano. Uh, yeah, I played piano. I started playing piano when I was like six. Um, and I played like classical piano for a while. And then when I turned 12, like 11 or 12, um, my dad gave me my first guitar and then like shortly after that, I, uh, got a drum kit. And by that time I was playing guitar, I was playing drums. I was just like, nah, I didn't care about playing piano anymore. I was like, so, so into playing drums that I was just like, I don't care about piano anymore at all. And do you still feel that way today about the piano? Do you ever like sit I mean, down and try to play? Yeah. Like every now and then, like I'll, I'll sit down and like, just kind of mess around a little bit, but like, it's not something I think about often. I played, um, piano on, I did like piano interludes on a record that one of my bands put out like a year and a half, two years ago, I guess it was like two years ago now. Yeah. So that was cool. Like that came in handy. Cause we were talking about like, we wanted to do like a piano interlude and I was like, Oh, well, I can just do it. Um, we actually ended up doing it on two. We did a seven inch and an LP and we did like piano interludes on both of them. And so it's cool that I was able to, uh, dust it off and uh write and record some piano stuff for that yeah and it just like randomly came in handy and you didn't have to like try yeah. to like outsource for it yeah we didn't have to like do that or like go on youtube and like find something and like rip it something like that okay. so yeah. yeah okay and um you mentioned earlier uh plead your case Mm-hmm. And I was on the band camp just like looking at the releases and uh-huh. the latest release, the point of contact, you didn't label it. Um, PYC 20. Is that um, for a specific reason? Oh, did I not? <laughs> if I didn't, it's just because I messed it up. But it that is. Uh, yeah, that's plead your case 20. OK, I, I guess I just. Yeah, when I uploaded it, I did it wrong. I'm going to go fix that as soon as we're done here. Okay, for sure. All right. No, yeah. I, I like just weird like things like that. I, I just kind of like I um, was just looking at it and I wasn't sure if there was like a specific reason with that release. No, no, that's that's release number 20. So, OK, dude, that um, record like sent like shockwaves like the day it came out. Like, oh, it's so good. I, I, I remember I, I can't oh, watch. I don't remember. I'm you either posted on Twitter or Instagram and you're talking about how like that um, that was like your favorite thing that you're going to put out. Yeah. And I like read that. And I was like, wow, that, like that's definitely a bold statement. 
I'm looking at like the catalog. So uh-huh. the day it came out and I listened to it and like, man, like hearing that record for the first time, like I remember I was like uh, on my way to my buddy's apartment, like from work and like I, I yeah. put it on and uh, it just like made me like feel like extra proud to be straight edge because like shit yeah. like this is like the like shit that i live for like just that yeah. style i it, it, it got me like super pumped it's 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 crazy too because i feel like a lot of people that's their first um exposure to the band mm-hmm. um, yeah. it was mine I, I love their demo and i love um the promo that they put out with two songs off the lp but i feel like the the recordings for those are good um but i feel like i don't know the energy just like isn't there as much as when you see them live so like seeing them live a handful of times like um seat of pain did like a weekend with them so we played with them then and like i've just seen them like at random florida shows and like fya last year um seeing them live it's just like so next level so i i like kind of knew that if they got that energy like captured it well with the next record that it would like really blow people away. Um, and I think that the record did that. It, it does such a good job capturing that energy that they have. So I'm glad that it came out so well. And I'm glad that so many people, uh, so a surprise, really surprising amount of people. I knew people would be into the record, but I wasn't sure how it was going to do honestly, just because, you know, they weren't a band that too many people were familiar with before this record. Um, I just wanted to do it because I was just like, I love this band so much. I just want to do their record. Even if it doesn't sell well, I don't care. I'm going to fucking do it anyways. Um, but, dude, people are so psyched on it. It's really fucking awesome. Seeing the reaction has been great. They're, like, super deserving of it. So, Yeah. I, after I listened to the record, I had to, like, go back and listen to their other stuff. And, like, I was watch like, their live set from, like, FYA from last year. And yeah. it was just such a trip to me that, like, a, a band that good was just, like, like, you know, kind of flying, like, under the radar. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, they, dude... That, that was just one of those things where I was like, when I heard the record too, I was like, okay, yeah. When, when people hear this, that's like, they're not going to be an under the radar band anymore. Like this is going to put them on the map. And like, I'm so glad it has. Cause it's so fucking good. It's unreal. How good that record is. Yeah. Yeah. And it has me like super so Cause I obviously like I've never seen them. So the fact that I, I get to go to FYA and get to see them for the first time, I'm like super oh. stoked. Yeah. Their set of FYA is going to be incredible. I can't wait. Have you been to that new venue that it's going to be at? I I've been to it like years ago before they renovated it, but apparently it's like completely different now. So I don't, I I can't really speak on how it's going to be now. Um, I know it was like tiny, tiny, tiny before, but they like, I don't know. I think they, somebody was saying that the cap is way bigger now. Um, and I know a lot of people have been like, oh man, how is this going to be at brass mug? Like it's, it's small, but it's like the cap for brass mug, the legal capacity is only 20 people less than, uh, the Orpheum, which is where it's been in the past. So it'll be fine. It'll be better. If anything, it'll just be way crazier. Yeah. I just hope the stage isn't as tall. No, it's not. The stage is like from just like videos and pictures that I've seen. The stage is like a perfect height, so that's cool. Yeah, because like watching those like videos from the Orpheum, it, it was just always like strange to me. So I'm like, damn, that stage is so tall, and you got those like random yeah. poles that yeah. were just there. 
Yeah, I mean, Orpheum is cool, and they've always been, like, really good to FYA. Like, last year we had, like, literally two days before the fest had to find a new venue, and they, like, pulled through for us, which is, like, awesome. But the vibe there is just, like, it's just, like, not condu- so conducive for the fest. It's, like, fine. It's not, like, terrible, but, like, it could just be a little bit better, and I think that it will be at this new spot. So. That's awesome. And it's cool that they're able to come through last minute because like I like wonder like what if the Orpheum couldn't do it? Like what would you guys have done last year? Dude, I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that'd be crazy. But yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to going to Florida because I go to Florida uh, a couple times a year, but I, I go to Orlando because I'm a huge uh, Disney fan. So I, I have like a group of friends that I go to Disney World with. Uh-huh. So it, it's, it's going to be cool to actually go there for a, a different reason. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'll be cool. It's like I think that this year has the potential for sure to be the that, the best year without a doubt. So. We'll see. Um, I, I have high hopes for this year. Where was the place they had it in? I, I think it was like 2014. It looked like it had like green walls. Oh, it was in a highlight court. Do you know, oh. do you know what highlight is? No, I have no idea. It's like this sport. Um, it's pretty popular in Florida. Um, not like insanely popular, but like it's like a thing in Florida. Um, there's like a, I think it's in the second Jackass movie where like one of the bits that they do is like they have these professional dudes throw oranges at them with these like scooper looking things. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Yeah. Yeah. That's highlight. They like throw the ball out of these like scoop things and like bounce it off a wall and like catch it. It's like this really crazy sport. Um, but yeah, it was at a highlight, uh, arena, which is pretty funny and awesome. Yeah. It was yeah, because I I was trying to figure out like where it was because like that year I I watched like a ton of videos from that fest mm-hmm. and it was just like always tripping to me because I'm like man it's like it's so open it like to me like it looked like there's some sort of like basketball court. I mean yeah, it was just like it's it more or less yeah, and it was just like that and then they just like built a stage in there. Um, it was pretty cool though. That was like um the second year I think, or the third year. Yeah, I think it was the second year and it was it was cool. Yeah, the, the, the one thing that, that I like about it, FYA is that it's the first fest for the year. Yeah. And uh, to me, it, it seems like um, you guys kind of set the tone for the whole year. I mean, we, tr- we definitely try. Like, I, I, I know that, like, we definitely try to put, like, put, like, bands that we think are, like, gonna... Like, we try to put on, like, hook up, like, cool newer bands, so it's cool to see like bands get like they play that fast and they get like a good reaction and then they like do a bunch of cool stuff throughout like the rest of the year. So yeah, like looking at uh, the FYA lineup and then AHC announcing their lineup today, I was like, okay, this is awesome. There's no uh, crazy reunions to try to, you know, draw people in. Um, it looks like that you guys are trying to just do it off the strength of what's going on currently today. And I think that's awesome. That's like what I've been like banging for for like the longest time because I feel like yeah. we need to focus on the current generation because um, th- it's important to you know empower them and show kids that like, like hardcore today is just as good as it was back then. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, there's uh, a few reunion bands playing FYA this year. Yeah. Um, 
but we try to make it like not so like if if there's reunion bands playing we try to make it like you know not so just focused on that and i feel like there's like a lot of like older people who will come out to fya to see like the headliners or like the older bands you know like last year i feel like people like there's like older people who came out to see like breakdown and like death threat and, and stuff and like that's like awesome and i feel like kids were, were definitely psyched on those sets too but um like i feel like at least you know like kids that i know personally there are like always like more psyched for like the newer bands so i think that fya is a fest where the newer bands thrive a little bit okay yeah i kind of had my fingers crossed um for maybe like another until the end set no that's a one and done i don't think that'll happen again (laughs) damn that actually makes me sad to hear that yeah growing like growing up like early days like in hardcore um one record label that was like big for me and my friends was uh eulogy yeah um florida yeah straight up so like i I never realized like how much of an impact florida has had on me like because i I used to love like you know casey jones kids like us remembering never uh the dude who played i don't i'm sorry john if you hear this i'm sorry because i can't remember if you if you played but uh, this dude, John, who played either guitar or bass in Casey Jones. I think he played guitar, actually, in Casey Jones. Um, he is the dude who, like, records pretty much all of my bands at this point. And he, like, he recorded the Magnitude LP. He recorded the Point of Contact LP. He did the Big Mac record. He did both Eco Strike records, uh, Seat of Pain LP. He, he does, like, pretty much a lot of um, my bands and, like, I always like any bands that I put out on plead your case. I like always strongly encourage them to go record with him. He is the fucking man. He like is such a genius with recording. Um, but yeah, he played in Casey Jones. So that's like a little fun fact of like Florida stuff from that era. And how'd you guys get linked up with him? Um, just like, uh, trying to think, um, when we went to do the eco strike seven inch, we didn't really know where to do it. And then we just went with him because he had recorded the, uh, bind seven inch that, uh, I put out on plead your case. And I love the way that record sounded. Um, so we just like, we didn't really know him at the time. And like, it's always kind of weird going to record with somebody you've never met, but like, it was like an, it, like instantly we clicked with him. He's like fucking awesome. And he like gets what we were going for. So, that's where we recorded that Eco Strike Seven Inch, and after that, every band that like I put out or like bands that I'm friends with, I'm always like, "Yo, you you got to go record with John. He's the fucking man." Oh yeah, that's awesome. It's it's cool to hear that. Um, at least like one member of Casey Jones is still doing something that's involved with hardcore. Mm, I don't. I mean, I'm sure some of them are still around. They're they're so that band's from Jacksonville, which is like five or six hours away from where I'm from. So it's just like. You know, it's so far geographically that it's like, I don't really know. I know like a handful of people from there, but like, I don't know. Some of those guys might honestly still be around. I just, I don't really know. Yeah, same here. I'm like, like when they were around, I was younger and I never uh, really got too involved. Like I would go out to shows, love the music, but like, um, I, I just never really talked to bands that like, I didn't know. Yeah, I gotcha. Um, are you familiar with a old face down band from Florida called in due time? Mm-mm. No, I never heard of them. Do you know what part of Florida they're from? I think they're from Jacksonville. If I'm not mistaken. Oh, uh, I mean, that makes sense. That's like, uh, that I, you know, that, like I said, that's like, there's so much stuff from like North Florida that just like, wouldn't really be on 
like my radar because that's just like a whole different world, you know? Okay, yeah. I, I know on uh, FYA, there's that band, uh, True Form, who's from there, right? Yeah, they're fucking awesome. Yeah, cool band. Yeah, it, it's uh, cool that there's like, you know, at least there's like one band from like that part that's like, you know, putting on for hardcore sometimes it gets yeah. really hard like in like the more like you know like lesser like populated areas like for hardcore they they're like really trying to like rebuild jacksonville's hardcore scene too which is like it's really cool i i think like i give like a lot of respect to anybody who like kind of does like their scene building thing you know um they like want to make shows happen in jacksonville again and like they're they booked honestly they booked a show it was those guys put together a show in March and it was Envision, Seat of Pain, Point of Contact, Magnitude, True Form. I'm trying to remember. I think that was the whole lineup. Um, and it was one of the coolest shows I've been to in such a long time. There was a, a lot of people who traveled from other places for it. So it wasn't like all Jacksonville people, but there was like a lot of Jacksonville kids there. And it was it was like a really, really fucking cool show. So um, they're really trying to like put Jacksonville back on the map. So that's fucking awesome. Yeah. I, I always love paying respect to people that do that because wh- where I'm from, uh, or, uh, where I'm at currently orange County, yeah. h- hardcore has been around for a long time. And, yeah. uh, as far as I know, we've never really had to struggle because like there's always been venues, DIY spots, like legit venues. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, like I, I don't see the struggle now, but I always talk about this on the podcast. Uh, but growing up, I was from like the Palm Springs area and we literally had no like legit scene. It was like my buddy, Steve Kipple, just trying to make things happen, like literally yeah. booking I mean, shows and like losing like money out of his own pocket just to pay like the bands that were willing to take the chance to come out and play. Yeah, that's like what it takes, you know, and like I feel like that like kind of happens like a lot like in, in Florida, like Florida, like in general, it's like, it's really big. Um, it's far out of the way from, from places like, especially coming down to South Florida, you know? So it's like always kind of a risk. Um, and there's always like, kind of like ups and downs, like, you know, that's with any scene though. There's, you know, ups and downs, but like whenever things are down, like in places in Florida, like there's always somebody who's like trying to like keep it going. And I think that's really cool. And that's like one thing I really love about, um, like the kids in uh, point of contact, like when Tampa, like kind of ha- like had has fallen off in the past, like those guys, especially Garrett, the guitar player, like they really like keep it going. You know, they book shows and they like he does like a zine and like he used to do a, a hardcore radio show at the uh, college there. Um, and he like really does a good job at like keeping it going when things kind of fall off. Um, same with like, like, you know, I was saying like the true form guys in Jacksonville and then, uh, as well, um, my friend Rob from, uh, Pensacola, uh, he plays in like, he played in like mouse at the palace. Um, he plays in burning strong. He plays in heat seeker. He plays in like a handful of bands. Um, but like, he does like a really, really good job of like, you know, scene building, uh, up there in Pensacola and like, you know, keeping things going, you know, like when scenes have their ups and downs, like when things are down there, he like does a good job of like pushing through and like you know coming up with cool ways to get new kids to come out and like he just opened up a venue there and like so that's like a really florida thing i think is like people just like really busting their ass to like keep their scene going i think it's really cool 
Yeah. And I, I, I love it. And I uh, hope that like kids from like out here in California, like appreciate what we have because kids get to pick and choose like what shows they want to go to where like other yeah. scenes, like, you know, they don't really have that luxury. Yeah, um, for sure. But you mentioned that band heat seeker. I, I think that band's super sick. Yeah. They're awesome. Yeah. I, uh, actually I, I was like uh, talking with some people behind the scenes because I was uh, trying to get somebody from there on the podcast, mm-hmm. um, which I don't think I was said publicly, but yeah, um, hopefully it's going to happen. Nice. Um, you used to play in a band called Blistered. Yeah. Yeah. Which like is crazy to me because I've seen Blistered, um, but mm-hmm. I just never knew you were in the band. And yeah, like, when I found cool. out after the fact, like it, it just like tripped me out. I was like, that's crazy. Yeah. Where'd you see us at? Uh, like Aladdin Jr.? Yeah. Yeah, that those. Sh- I think we played Aladdin Jr. twice. Um, both times we played there were fucking awesome. One time was like one of the early Forced Order shows. Um, I love Forced Order. That was a really cool show. And then the second time we played there, I think, was when we were on tour with uh, Discourse, and that was cool too. And uh, I... I didn't really know what happened with Blizzard. You guys just kind of called it quits. Are, are, are the other guys still in hardcore? Yeah. Um, the, uh, let me, let me think. Uh, the bass player, Ethan, he plays in, uh, this band called planet loser. They're not a hardcore band, but they're like, um, like a poppy, like kind of dream poppy band on six, one, three, one. Um, and he like records a lot of bands and stuff. And then, um, the drummer plays in a whole bunch of bands. He plays in uh, that band Deflect. Um, the guitar player plays in the guitar player Matt plays in Dominant Force. Um, Evan, the other guitar player, he played in uh, this band called Death to Reason, um, and he still like plays. He he played in uh, in this band The Limit um, from Florida. They're like kind of. They just put out some stuff recently. Um, and yeah, that's everybody. Yeah, everybody's like still around and like doing stuff. So that's awesome to hear. Like, uh, I, I wasn't aware that everybody was still so active in like, you know, current stuff. So it's pretty yeah. awesome to hear. Yeah. And can you talk about like your origins of like hardcore and straight edge and vegan? Because I've always been curious about that. Um. Yeah. So trying to think. So my early exposure to hardcore was like, um, like I had heard like a couple hardcore bands, um, like comeback kid and Bane and stuff like that without really realizing it was hardcore. You know, I didn't really like put two and two together that there was like other bands out there that I could, you know, seek. I just kind of liked those bands. Um, I, I definitely found out about comeback kid first from, uh, like one of those, like I would buy like Silverstein and like Hawthorne Heights CDs and stuff like that. And uh, those records were on Victory and they would come with like samplers, like the Victory record sampler with all like the music videos. Um, So that's definitely how I found out about those bands at first. And then um, my dad's my dad had a friend whose son played in this band from South Florida, um, played in a hardcore band from down here. And he like came over one time and he like with it with his dad to just like stop by and say what's up to my dad. And he was older than me and like. I guess I was listening to like Bane or Comeback Kid or something. And he was like, dude, are you listening to fucking Comeback Kid right now? I was like, yeah. And he was like, oh, I didn't know you liked like hardcore. And I was just kind of like, uh, I mean, I guess, I don't know. 
and he kind of like showed me some other stuff. Um, a few other bands. I got into like have heart, like killing the dream, stuff like that, like melodic stuff. And at the same time I was getting into like, um, like Throwdown and like recon and stuff like that. So, um, the first time that I kind of like really like realized that there was like, Oh wow. There's like more hardcore stuff out there and like kind of delved into it and was like looking for other stuff was, um, I went to the mall and I was wearing a, I don't remember. It, it was either a half heart shirt or a throwdown shirt. And there was this other kid there and he, and I didn't know anybody else really who liked hardcore at the time. Um, and he was wearing a cruel hand shirt and I had like heard of like, let's check out cruel hand and like whatever. And I was like, Oh cool. Cruel hand shirt. And he was like, Oh yeah, cool. Whatever shirt. And we like became friends and like started talking. So it was like the first friend that I made who like also knew about hardcore. Um, so we would like send each other bands back and forth and he had heard of a bunch of bands that I hadn't and I had heard of a bunch of bands that he hadn't. So we just kind of fell down like that rabbit hole of like, you know, showing each other bands and like, it was like obviously so much more exciting and like interesting that now that I had somebody else to like show bands to and learn about bands from. Um, so we started a band together, like after probably a couple years of being friends, um, we started, uh, our first hardcore band, um, it was this band called losing it. And, um, we didn't really know that there were like other hardcore bands to play with. Um, and we met this dude who was like an older guy who put on a lot of the shows and he puts on pretty, put on pretty much all the hardcore shows in South Florida for, for like years. Um, and he, I don't know how he became aware of us, but he was just like, Hey, do you guys like want to come play like some hardcore shows? We're just like, yeah, sure. Like, and through him, we just like met other kids who were like into hardcore. And it was like, it was cool when you realize like, oh, there's more than like four other kids in my area who like, like hardcore, you know? Yeah. Because it, it sounded really, that was probably pretty rambly. So I'm sorry that that was so. Like, yeah, no, no, no. I definitely uh, make sense. Uh, I definitely understand where you're coming from. When I mentioned earlier, being in Palm Springs and not having like a, a thriving scene uh, those days before like social media and stuff, it was like a rare uh, occurrence to see a hardcore kid out in the wild. Yeah. And yeah. when you did, it was like, whoa, like, who is that? Like, we got to yeah. go talk to him. It was like it was like cool, too, because it's like I'd gone to a couple hardcore shows before that, but they were like all like so my first hardcore show was um Kids Like Us, Know the Score, uh, The Mongoloids, Furious Styles. Um, it was like a eulogy tour. Okay. Um, and I had gone to that, but like everybody else there at the time, like they probably weren't that much older than me. But I feel like when you go to your first hardcore show, like everybody seems so much like older and, and like, you know what I mean? Like, so like when I first started to meet other people who were like my age in my area that were that like, liked hardcore, that was when it, I kind of like really was like, Oh shit, this is, this is like, I was like super excited. Cause you know, I, I went to like the first couple shows I went to were like the last couple know the score shows, um, at this record store in Delray beach, um, which is like an hour North from me. Um, so like, like I said, everybody there seemed to be so much older than me and like knew everybody else there. And so I was like, just like, kind of just like, oh, this is what it is. Everybody else who like likes this and is here is like older than me and like, you know, covered in tattoos and like an adult. And, I, you know, at the time I was like 16 years old, you know, so 
Um, yeah, it once a big turning point for me with getting into hardcore was like realizing that there were other people who were my age and like at the same level of their development getting into hardcore. Um, and that kind of like kickstarted it for me. So definitely think it's interesting that you, you talk about how everybody just like seemed older at your first hardcore show. Yeah. I, I'm like thinking back to like my first hardcore show and I don't know, or like I didn't know anybody there. And yeah. I, I remember seeing like, you know, people moshing for the first time and just being like, yeah. Whoa, that looks like crazy. And just being like a young kid, just like, like wondering like where the hell like am I? Like, how did I end up here? And like yeah. loving it like all at the same time. Yeah. I mean, the first, the first show that I ever went to got shut down and there was like a humongous fight and it was just like, what the fuck? Like the first hardcore show, you know, I had gone to like, whatever, like see, you know, bands like that sounded like, you know, fucking like shitty pop punk and like, like the Silverstein Hawthorne Heights kind of stuff that I was listening to, like local bands like that. But like, obviously those shows were like nothing at all. Like, you know, going to like a real hardcore show. So that was like pretty eye opening. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Yeah. And at any point, did you ever think that you would get this deep with hardcore? No, I don't know. It, it, it kind of all just happens, you know? <laughs> yeah. Cause um, for you, you're heavily involved and you know, you're running plead your case. You're in a bunch of different bands that are putting out good music, doing tours. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things where like, I've like, since I've like been playing music, like since I was like a little kid, like I obviously wanted to, you know, once I got into hardcore, it wasn't even like a second thought where I was like, Oh, maybe I should like start a band. Like I just like really wanted to do it. You know, like if, if I wasn't, if I never got into hardcore, I would probably still be playing music, you know, to some degree or another. So like, me starting bands, like starting hardcore bands was just like, uh, just like once I got into hardcore, starting a hardcore band just seemed like the obvious thing to me. And that's not, and I don't say this in a way where I want to take away from anybody who contributes to the scene in like another way. Cause there's like plenty of ways to contribute to hardcore. Um, you know, doing zines, doing flyers, booking shows, like just like all kinds of stuff. But like, I can't like, imagine like being involved in hardcore and, and like not wanting to play in bands, you know, even if it's like not like a serious band that you're like pushing and touring, just like not doing a band at all. Like to me, it just doesn't really make sense. But, you know, again, that's not to take away from anybody who contributes in other ways because those ways are just as valid too, you know, but yeah. Yeah. I I definitely understand what you're saying. Uh, For me, it's like doing this podcast. Yeah. This whole thing started because I I got bored of uh, streaming on Twitch one night. So I figured why not try to do a podcast since I listen to so many podcasts. Yeah. And I did like the first chunk of episodes solo. I was just like, literally, I was just like telling random stories, talking about my day. And like at the time, I think it was like only my coworkers who would listen. And like, I don't don't think they listened because they actually cared. I think they they just wanted to like listen to make fun of me at work. (laughs) Um, But then it like. And, and then like, I'm not sure like when the switch happened, but I yeah. just like had this idea of um, actually like maybe trying to have somebody on because yeah. like at the time I was like, you know, having bands like, you know, do like email interviews. 
Yeah, yeah. And that was that was fun. I, I did like a, I think maybe like I want to say maybe ten different bands. Um, okay. But I just never really got full satisfaction from it because when yeah. I would get their um, their response, I'd be like, shit, like I, I want to follow up and go a little deeper with that question. Yeah, but of course. Never could, and I and I didn't want to seem like you know like pestering them through email so i was like damn it i was like maybe i should like try to take this to like another level and then i just thought of doing the podcast and yeah um and it was very like experimental in the the beginning because i i had friends or i have friends who are in hardcore but like i just never really knew who would actually want to give me the time and then had on my first guest and then the ball just kind of kept rolling and just like doing the podcast and, you know, meeting people and talking behind the scenes and them like, um, wanting to help out and putting me in contact with other people like this thing, just like, I don't see where this thing is going to stop. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. And I feel like people don't really realize how much work goes into doing a podcast. Like I, I did a podcast, like we did one episode and we just like never did another one because it was like such a, such a headache to do it. So like, I feel like, you know, it's cool that you like stuck with it and like people who do like a podcast and like interview hardcore bands and like whatever, and they keep it going. Like that's, that's fucking awesome. That's like a cool contribution, you know? Yeah. And I, 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 people always ask like like, how I decided to do a hardcore podcast. Mm -hmm. I um, wouldn't describe myself as like a hardcore podcast per se, because like I've reached out uh, because like I'm like a huge like Disney fan. Like I I go to Disneyland all the time. I like like into the culture or, or whatever. And like I've reached out to like, like the quote unquote Disney celebrities, but they're just like that community is not, like hardcore like it's not as like you know like tight-knit not as friendly yeah. um so like <laughs> i reached out to try to because i wanted to do it like the other podcasts that i look up to like joe rogan like fighter and the kid and they just have on like people who they're fans yeah. of yeah, yeah um but it just turns out that um people outside of hardcore that i'm a fan of just don't really want to give me the time of day yeah um, I, I tried to do a zine that was um a comic zine and i tried to interview a bunch of comic writers and pencilers and not one of them responded. I emailed probably like 25 people and I didn't get one single response. So I was just kind of like, yeah, fuck this. <laughs> I'll yeah. stick to doing hardcore bands. Fuck Rob Liefeld. Yeah, straight up. <laughs> I, uh, um, that's kind of like a, um, I was listening to the, your um, episode when you're on, um, punks and panels. Yeah. And, uh, I, I was dying um, at that Rob Liefeld segment. Dude, he's, oh God, he, he got an argument on Twitter like a few days ago because somebody like posted on like a forum somewhere and was like, oh, Rob Liefeld is so stupid that he left his car on and ran himself over with it. And like people just troll him all the time and he takes the bait every single time. He like posted the screen cap of it and was like, this is not what happened and was like explaining it. And it's just like, dude, you are so dumb. Stop arguing with trolls all the fucking time, man. <laughs> Uh, did you ever get any kind of response out of him from that nah. t-shirt design you wanted? No, but we got uh, we got Tim Visual, the dude who drew uh, Faust and a uh, and like um, EO and some other like really crazy like '90s outlaw comics um, to to do. Uh, hardcore kids probably would know him better as a. Uh, he is the dude who did the art that's on uh, Kickback Forever War. Okay. Uh, we got him to do. Uh, a shirt designed for us so that's pretty cool we haven't printed it yet but we have it okay so. I, was, I was gonna ask if that ever came out um, yeah we'll probably well, i think we're gonna print it for fya 
I saw that you were posting yesterday on your Instagram. You were recording new seed of pain. Yeah. Or? Yeah. We, um, so we're going to do an LP, but before the LP comes out, we're going to do a promo tape. Um, we recorded it yesterday. It's like two new songs, two covers. And, um, we re-recorded, uh, an old song. So wow, that should be out hopefully pretty soon it's just going to be a tape so i don't have to wait for like pressing plan or anything so pretty much as as soon as it's done we'll put it out yeah and that that actually sounds like a lot for a promo tape i'm actually excited to hear that yeah i mean we just wanted to like have fun with it so like you know like the two cover songs and like the re-recorded song just kind of are like just like for fun you know okay hell yeah, yeah. that's awesome yeah uh and another thing I was curious about, uh, have you had a chance to make it out to a convention yet? Cause I was, I was listening to the podcast and there's like some things that stuck out to me that I had to get answers for. Yeah. Um, I went to a con in Miami, a uh, couple months ago. That's actually where we got, um, Tim vigil to do the shirt, uh, okay. design for us. So, um, that was cool. Um, I'd never been to a con before. It was cool. It was like a lot of, um, anime and like cosplaying and stuff, which is like, you know, that's cool. But like, I want, I would really like to go to a con that's like a little more comic centric. Cause that's what I'm into out of all that stuff. So, but yeah, I did make it out to one and it was, it was cool. We had a good time. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. I've, I like frequent uh, WonderCon because that happens like locally for us, like at the Anaheim Convention Center. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, that's like uh, the best con because it's like perfect size, like perfect size, not too crowded. Um, but I skipped like some of the other local ones just because uh, I just didn't really feel like going out. Cause like me and my buddies used to go to like all the ones in like Southern California. But yeah. then it, like after a while, like it, if you go to so many, especially like in like the same region, like it's just like the same stuff. Yeah, for sure. So, but well, I gotta, you gotta get out to like, uh, something huge. Is there like another, is there like a big uh, con in my, or in Florida or do you have to like go out to like New York? Uh, Supercon, which is the one I went to in Miami is it's pretty big. Um, I really, really, really want to go to Heroes Con in Charlotte. Um, that's okay. like a that's like a very, very like comics heavy convention. Um, that's like one that I really would like to go to. And this, so we played a show. Uh, Envision went up and played the Magnitude Record release show in Charlotte, and it was like four days after Heroes Con. And I just like didn't plan it out right to where I could take off the time off work to go to both. And I like should have like been smarter about it and done that because it would have been awesome to go up and go to that con and then play that show. But whatever, there's always next year. So you're interested uh, when you're at the cons, are you more interested in like digging up through people's collections or or are you like interested in like meeting like the creators? Um, Mostly like looking through old comics and like old memorabilia and buying shit. And then also like sitting in on panels. Um, I got to sit in on a Jim Starlin panel. Um, this is the dude who wrote like infinity war and like Adam Warlock and like did a like pretty legendary run on silver surfer and stuff. So I got to, um, I got to sit in on a panel that he gave and he gave a lot of cool information, told a lot of cool stories about <clears throat> like working at Marvel in the seventies. Um, 
so that was a really cool thing. So yeah, like going to the panels, um, hearing, hearing like, you know, info and like hearing those dudes tell stories like that's, that's more interesting to me. Like, even if I don't, I don't really care about meeting them. I care more about just, you know, listening to them like ramble for an hour, honestly. For sure. Yeah. And I love like hearing like people talk about like their personal ex- experiences. Cause sometimes like you'll get like pieces of like things that you would like never get anywhere else. Yeah, for sure. But, and I, I'm curious about your opinion of the MCU. Are you a fan or? Uh, yeah, it's cool. I'm, I, I think that, uh, I think that people who are so like, I'm sure you've seen this, but like, like people will come in my work all the time and they'll be like wearing a shirt with like, I don't know, Iron Man or Captain America or whatever on it. And it's like okay. working customer service and I'm more, I'll, I have a Spider-Man pin on my apron and they'll be like, oh, Spider-Man, that's cool. And they'll like start trying to talk to me. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, do, like, do you read comics? And they're always like, no, but I'm like a huge Marvel fan. It's like, well, no, you're not. Like, So like, I don't know. Like, I think it's weird that there's people who are like so into like the MCU movies and they're like, I fucking love Marvel. But it's like they don't ever think to like crack open a comic, which is like what the real deal stuff is, you know. But that's just that is what it is in like. I was kind of like salty about it for a while. And like, I feel like it stopped me from like enjoying like the movies. And I kind of like one day was like, yeah, this is like a stupid thing to be salty about. And like kind of gave some of the MCU movies like a, a chance that I didn't before. And like ended up like really enjoying them. So I loved, um, infinity war and Endgame. I think they're both fucking awesome. So. I feel the same way. Like for me, like I, it's like in my face because I'm in like, you know, I'm on Disney property like all the time and yeah. I, I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll go to like the Guardians of the Galaxy ride and yeah. I'll like, like you exit through like their Marvel gift shop and I, yeah. I see like, like millions of people wearing like all sorts of different like Marvel t-shirts and it's just one of those things where like I just have to just not say anything because like I, I never want to run into um somebody that doesn't actually know stuff if i try to talk to them because then i i feel stupid yeah because like, they're probably looking at me like i'm some freaking weirdo some like crazy yeah. nerd yeah it's it's i just learned it's better to not even to just assume that everybody who's like wearing a spider-man shirt has like never cracked open a book before and it just like go through life that way it's it's easier yeah, it's better to find it like, you know, people like you or like my other friends um, that actually like comics and that and uh, talk to them when I know it's safe. Yeah, I, I really love uh, meeting other hardcore kids who are into comics. It's really fucking cool because, um, you know, like there's like a lot of like things that go on in like the comics world that are like so like stupid and like embarrassing and like funny and like, you know, being able to like talk about comics with like a hardcore kid, like they usually kind of get it a little bit more, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I was actually, um, so when I moved to orange County, I didn't really have any friends mm-hmm. and, and it just so happens that I moved across the street from this dude, um, who I knew like before I moved out there, but it was just like by chance we, um, we lived across the street from each other and uh-huh. he's like in, in hardcore, he, he runs that clothing company, revenge of the nerd. 
Oh, okay, cool, cool. Yeah, so, um, uh, like, he played a big part in, like, my early days in Orange County. Uh, um, he, he, like, showed me the ropes, uh, kind of, like, took me around, showed me all the shops, and, like, put me on to, to a lot of stuff. And That's cool. yeah, because I got like literally like I didn't really have any new friends because I was like n- like new kid in town. Uh, yeah, d- just literally didn't know any like anybody. So like I I actually used to hang out at our local comic shop to try to make friends. Yeah, it was actually pretty funny. Nobody ever wanted to be my friend because they thought I was like super weird because I was there like every day. Every day, yeah. Yeah. Well, what it takes. Yeah, but but eventually I made some friends and me and my buddy, uh, we like have like this uh, comic book club, but we haven't had a meeting in like over like probably almost two years because uh, like we used to meet like every Wednesday, like at the shop. And it, it was actually really cool. Like we would have our own like individual pool, but like we'd, uh, be, in a, um, we'd be in a group text and like somebody like it would like rotate where somebody would like um, put up a book that we all needed to buy. Yeah, and we would like read it and talk about it, but then That's, yeah, it, yeah. It, it was definitely fun because it like definitely took me out of like m- my comfort zone, and I, I would read stuff that I would never even think about touching. Yeah, um, but then life just got in the way. Like people, like uh, one of the guys, uh, Jeff. Shout out to Jeff. He uh, got married, had another kid, got a different job, so his schedule changed. And yeah. then uh, the, the other guy, because there's only three of us, it was me, Jeff, and this guy, Felix. And then Felix got another job. And then, like, I was the only one left that had the same availability. So, like, I would yeah. still go. Um, but, yeah, it, was, it just got harder to link up. Yeah, I feel that. For me, uh, my roommate, um, he, my roommate Sven, he's also, like, my best friend. He 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 plays guitar in Seat of Pain. Um, okay. he's, he's really into comics, too. So, like, we kind of share a pull list. So, like, we'll, like read stuff off or off the poll and like talk about it. So I always have somebody to talk to about comics. So that's cool. Yeah. I, yeah. Cause I, I used to <clears throat> drive like my buddy, I'm the guy who runs revenge of the nerd. Like we would literally go to the comic book shop together. And then like, I would just be like such a fiend and like, I would read everything right away. And then like, I'd be like calling him wanting to talk about books. And he's like, dude, like I haven't even like started like chill out. Yeah. Yeah, it's I, I get the same way. I especially if there's a book that like, I'm really hot on, like I'll I'll like read it, like I'll pick it up and I'll like read it in the car before I even like drive home. Sometimes like it's pretty crazy, but it's cool. It's it's just um, I feel like comics and hardcore are the two things in you know that I'm like the most passionate about. So it's cool when they overlap. When I meet other kid, other hardcore kids who like comics, it's like pretty exciting. It's cool seeing uh, like old hardcore stuff like um, that has like, you know, comic book like stuff going on, especially like a lot of like 90s hardcore, too. There's like a lot of fucking like a lot of those bands would use like fucking like comic stuff, like especially zines, like a lot of like 90s, like especially like vegan and straight edge zines. There's like so many like comic book things in like the zine layouts and shit. And it's like cool to find those things. I was always curious, uh, the song from Eco Strike, Immortal Weapon, is that, yeah. is, is that name um, from comic books? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's not like about Iron Fist yeah. or anything like that, but it's just like, you know, I, I thought the phrase was cool. Um, there's like some Seed of Pain songs that are like legitimately straight up, like I read some comics and I was just like, okay. And then like, because I write some of the lyrics, Kevin, the singer, writes a lot of them, but we like collaborate on them and a lot of the stuff that i've written is like um there's like a song about uh gore the god butcher from jason aaron's thor run um there's a song about uh 
um, this like uh, early '90s Batman run called Nightfall. So there's like a bunch of stuff just kind of like peppered in there. That's nice. Hell yeah. Um, there's a seat of pain song called Seduction of the Innocent, and that's the title of the um, report that uh, Frederick Wortham, the psychologist, uh, put out that made like the Comics Code Authority happen, where he was like trying to get like comics banned in America because of their supposed uh, negative influence on youth culture and stuff. So. That's awesome. I, I, I love things like that. Like just like just like subtle, just things that, you know, if you know, then like you'll, you'll get it. And it's yeah. like thrown in your face. Yeah. Yeah. That's like kind of like more what, what I try to do when I like include those things. But I mean, I've also done like a million shirt. I try not to do it so much anymore, but especially like bands I've been in in the past I've done like a million shirt designs where it's just like straight up panel ripped straight out of a comic and just like slapped onto the shirt design. So have you ever done an iron fist shirt? No, I don't think I have. The thing is like when I would do it, I would try to like avoid using like any like recognizable character to where you could look at it and be like, Oh, that's this guy from this comic book. But it's like more so just like stuff that's kind of like subtle or like obscured, like pretty almost every blistered shirt was like a comic book design. I would say at like nine out of 10 of them were <laughs> so that's so cool. Cause like, like aesthetically, like I, I like look at that kind of stuff and I was like, man, it's so sick. Cause just because yeah. like, I'm like, I, I love comic books. Yeah. It was cool too. Cause it's like a thing. It wasn't even like a really an intentional thing at first. I think it was just like a, at the time we wanted to like kind of do something a little different than what was going on with like everybody's merch. And then also just kind of like out of necessity, like, well, like none of us really like are artistically creative and like we're pretty broke and really don't have any money right now to like pay anybody to draw anything. So like, let's just fucking use this. Like, I don't know. You know, it was just like kind of born out of necessity. Okay. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and it definitely works. It's still cool. And you, know, you, you guys are able to put out cool shit. Yeah. So yeah, there's like, um, I think like the first probably like five designs we did consecutively were all, uh, Sin City stuff. Yeah. What an so. awesome, like book and movie. Yeah. The first movie was good. The second one is abysmal, but the first yeah, one was good. Yeah. The second one was rough, but I, I remember watching the first one. And I was like, dude, this is so crazy. Like just like the visuals, yeah. like you think they did a really, really good job. Yeah. Well, the second one was what, like a decade later. And it's like, it, you watch it and it seems like they're trying to like recreate the first one, but it just like doesn't work at all. Yeah. It's just, yeah. yeah. Cause like obviously uh, it's a whole different world and uh, it's just hard to kind of like try to jump back in and kind of like make us like, in like, I don't know. I, I don't know if they're trying to go for like the nostalgia thing or. Yeah. So but whatever. It's all good. Um, your favorite comic book writer ever? Um, ever, probably Chris Claremont. Um, he's, he wrote X-Men for like 15 years straight. Um, I would say probably him. He, Chris Claremont, um, Jonathan Hickman. If I did like a Mount Rushmore, it would be like Chris Claremont, Jonathan Hickman, probably Brian Bendis. And, um, 
I don't know, maybe Rick Remender too. Probably that. Those would be like my four. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I went to the comic shop yesterday just to catch up because like my buddy owns the shop that I, I go to. Mm-hmm. And I, I was literally like fresh off listening to that podcast that you're on. And uh-huh. I, I, I picked up that X-Men black issue. Oh, yeah. Did you like it? I haven't read it yet. Like I, I literally um, it was in my car. Watch. I'll, I'll show you right now. Let me grab it. Yeah. All right, where's my camera? But look at it. Yeah, that's that's a that's like a good it's like a good one shot. Like it's like a nice, cool short story. Claremont writing Magneto is always good. He like knows how to do it really well. So yeah, yeah, I'm uh, stoked to check that out. Um, yeah. But uh, as far as like current books, I I know you're reading uh, House of X. Yeah, it's so awesome. I'm not caught up. Like I I haven't read three or four. It's, it's kind of like, it's a little bit, um, obtuse right now. Okay. Uh, it's kind of hard. That's just the way Hickman writes though. It's like, he writes things for like the long haul. I don't know if you've ever read like his Avengers or his fantastic four, like he very much writes things for like the long haul. So sometimes it'll like stuff will be going on where you're just like, what the fuck is happening right now? And it takes like a few issues. And this is the first time I'm reading one of his uh, runs in single issues. Um, so it's like crazy. Like he'll he'll do something and it's like agonizing waiting for the next week. Luckily, the book is weekly and not monthly. I don't know how I'd be able to handle waiting a month between each issue. I would probably just give up. But are you um, following along with uh, Powers of X? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to the way he writes is like when he did Fantastic Four, he wrote Fantastic Four and Future Foundation. Mm -hmm. And like when he did Avengers, it was Avengers and New Avengers. And like right now it's House of X and Powers of X. He'll like split his stuff up over two books that like are actually just one book with different titles. So. Yeah, Yeah. definitely looking forward to the fall when we get like the new X-Men book and then like all the other books are coming out like New Mutants. Yeah. Um, New Mutants, X-Force, Marauders, or some other one too. I don't know if I'm going to follow all of them or if I'm just going to follow the ones that Hickman's involved with directly. But either way, um, I'm excited for that. Yeah, I'm definitely going to follow the um, like X-Men and New Mutants. I- I'm interested in X-Force because I uh, like based off the cover, like the team looks cool. I- I'm just not familiar yeah. with the writer. Uh, Ed Brisson. He's his plotting is cool typically, but I hate like his his dialogue. Um, but Hickman is like co-writing it with him. So I'm definitely going to read that one probably. Yeah, because so. I loved. Um, did you read the um, Reminders X-Force run back in the day? Oh, it's incredible. It's like one of my favorite runs ever. Yeah, like super solid. I think that's like one of the few times because like I'm not like a huge Deadpool fan, but I actually enjoyed him in that book. I, that's the only Deadpool that I like at all. That's the only time that Deadpool's ever been written in a way where I don't despise it. Okay, did you ever read Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe? I, I don't like. I don't <laughs> it, it, just like the idea of it. Like, just like him killing people who he should not be able to kill while making like unfunny stale jokes like just uh it just doesn't appeal to me whatsoever that's why i like the way rick remender wrote him in that um 
X Force book is because he like has serious moments. You know, he's like actually a character instead of just like some annoying punchline. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, the, uh, it's like one of the few times that I've like like been able to stand him because like normally like Deadpool books like even like when that uh, Spider Man Dead Deadpool book was like popping off, I was just like I can't like I'm just not a fan. Yeah, it's it's yeah. I don't. Uh, it's not for me. Yeah, me either. Like, I, I have a buddy. Uh, his name's Aaron, and like, he loves that character. And I'm just like, I don't get no. it. No, it's so not funny. Like, so unfunny to me. Like, painfully cringy and unfunny. So, it's not my thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who's your favorite? Um, like, because I, I I know you, you like tend to lean Marvel, but I know you like uh, like you know DC too. But um, yeah. Uh, and like I'm, I'm the same way. Like I'm like if you if you look at like my entire collection, majority of it is Marvel and then DC, then indie. Um, but who is like your favorite Marvel superhero? Uh, probably Wolverine. I'm a Wolverine guy. Um, just like X Men in general, but definitely Wolverine and Daredevil probably are my two favorites. Okay. I think Daredevil is like the best. Like uh, like objectively speaking. In terms of like quality of writing, like consistently, there's like so many good Daredevil runs. Um, so I would say overall, as far as consistency, Daredevil is like the best written Marvel character of all time, I think. Okay. So, yeah. And are you enjoying the current Zdarsky run? Yeah, I think it's awesome. I really like it a lot. Um, it's like interesting to see and you'd think at this point like they're just out of daredevil stories to tell mm-hmm. there's not even that much that you can really do with him but this one's like a little different and it's cool i like it a lot yeah i, I was definitely very skeptical going in because like i i, I follow some of like zadarsky's other work like you know the mm-hmm. art that he does and then i read some of his other books that he was writing yeah and uh like just picturing him trying to write Daredevil, I was like, man, I was like, I hope he takes it like like a serious route and don't and doesn't try to like add comedy into it. Yeah, because like yeah. I, I feel like that would have like ruined the character. But I feel like he's done like a really like good job, like surprisingly, in my opinion. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. It's a very good run. Okay, and you you, you mentioned Wolverine. Uh, did you ever read all new Wolverine? No, I didn't. Um. The only like Wolverine solo stuff that I really sat down with is like the Daniel Way Wolverine Origins stuff. Okay. And then obviously like the early solo stuff, like the Claremont stuff. But other than that, I really like him like as a character in like X-Men um, and like when he pops up in Avengers and stuff like that. So, okay. So just yeah. like the team up books or yeah. team books. Yeah, I like seeing like he's a cool character to see the way he's he like is written to interact on a team. I think it's cool when it's done right. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And same question, but DC. I mean, like Batman for sure. Batman's like the only like I like some DC stuff, you know, Batman and Superman, but like I don't really care about it enough to where I'm like really into like DC continuity and like more obscure characters. I like Batman. I like Superman. I like Martian Manhunter. The question's cool, but definitely probably just mostly Batman for DC. Okay. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure we talked about this uh, when I saw you in San Diego that like, uh, like I, I, I definitely like DC, but the fact that I'm not like 
into like more than just a handful of characters like it, it's hard for me to read a lot of the stuff because like when the big events go down like i just yeah. i can't like stay caught up because like i'm not going to read the other titles because i it just doesn't really mean yeah. anything to me yeah it's it's a it's it's lost on me that's why i just read batman because it's like self-contained you can just read batman and, and not have to know what else is going on in dc so Okay, and I I kind of remember. Uh, are are you a fan of the way Tom King is handled Batman? Uh, I fucking hate it, dude. I'm like, I read every issue from issue one, and it was cool until like issue like right after like the the wedding. So probably like issue right after the the story arc right after the wedding um, with the Mister Freeze stuff was cool, and then after that when they started like the nightmare stuff, like, dude, I. I fucking hate it. And I'm just reading it at this point just because I'm like, I'm this far in. I'm like 70 issues in. I might as well just ride it out to the end. But I, dude, I can't stand it right now. You know, I'm, I'm so not into it right now. I dropped off right before Mr. Freeze. Yeah, it's it's like almost like I, I hate read it at this point. Like I get excited when the new issue comes out because I'm like, I cannot wait to read this and just be like, fuck this motherfucker tom king and like just like read it and be angry and 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 like just fucking hate it god and i know uh i think uh, snyder and capullo were supposed to do like a new book right yeah they are. um it's only three issues but they're like longer issues i have the first two I haven't read them yet. I'm waiting until the third issue comes out so I can read it all at once. Okay, for sure. Just knock out the whole story instead of having yeah. to just be stuck at like a certain part. Yeah, because that's another thing that like I feel like DC does a little bit that pisses me off is like I don't like there. There's always hold up times like between like I was reading Doomsday Clock mm-hmm. and I just gave up because it was just the delays and everything. It was just taking way too long between each issue. And by the end of it, like, I mean, not even the end. now, like I'll go to the, like the comic store and I'll be like, I'll like walk by like the new books and I'll be like, Oh, doomsday, like issue 10. And I'll be like, that is fucking insane. That it is not done yet. Like I forget it exists until I see like an, a new issue come out and I'll, it'll be like, I cannot believe there's that, that is still going. It's been like two years at this point. It should have been done like a year ago. You know, this is like really weird uh, or maybe not that weird. Uh, DC, um, like for their books, sometimes they'll do like those weird, like, like matte covers. Do you know yeah. what I'm talking about? I actually yeah. really like that. Like, I wish Marvel would do that. Yeah. I mean, Marvel's cheap, though. <laughs> That's true. But yeah, they do those like uh, they did those like lenticular covers or whatever, like the really 90s ones where you like you tilt them and the, the picture changes. I remember that. Yeah. Um, and I really wanted to do that for the Eco Strike record release covers um, for the last record because um, it has like the background of like the flaming uh, embers. And I thought it would be really cool. But we couldn't f- everywhere that we found that did it was like so not only so expensive, but the, the minimum order for it was like a thousand or something like that. So we ended up not being able to do it. But I really wanted to do it. I, I would like to be able to do that someday, somehow for some record that either my band does or that I put out to do something with like a lenticular, but it's just like, I got to find some place that'll do it and not make me do like a thousand of them. Dude, you don't think the new eco strike record could push a thousand? No, I don't. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> really? I don't know. Okay, maybe like, I, I'm not well versed in that business. Um, like when it comes to selling records, 
don't know. Uh, I don't think we could push a thousand if we got to sell them at whatever the price point is that we would have to to justify printing those like crazy 3D lenticular covers. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. Yeah, because um, so the comic book shop that I go to, shout out Comic Hero U in Fullerton, they sometimes will do like store variants. Uh huh. And uh, he did he he did one for um God I know he did one for Wonder Woman um uh he did a Justice League one um and he 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 did a Batman one which was like I think the best selling one ever um uh-huh. uh and. Uh, I'm okay. I'm like getting mixed up, but anyways, so he, he did like four different like variants, like across like, you know, like, like a period of time, but he yeah. did this like per- particular justice league variant. And like, I don't um, know what the thought process was, but like uh, they did it, but it looked like it could have just been like a regular justice league cover. So it wasn't anything that was super awesome or like nothing that would really catch somebody's eye. Yeah. And, um, and with DC, like I, I, I don't, I'm, um, or I, I don't know, like the process exactly, but like obviously, there's like a minimum quantity that you have to order. And yeah. dude, I remember like, because I, I used to work at the shop with him, and like I remember we would, we sat on so many freaking copies of that variant. It was, it was kind of bad, and I, and like it, and it blew my mind because like, like we would, you know, the, the business was always like good, you know, a lot of foot traffic. Like the other variants flew off the shelf, and like yeah. I think it was just like that problem was like that it just looked so normal that nobody wanted to buy it. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't like variants. I don't really care about them. I, I usually just try to get the A cover. I would rather have the A cover than like some rare variant. Honestly, I just like the regular cover. So dude, I'm, I'm the same way. And like th- they used to make fun of me. Cause like I would not buy it if, if, if all they had was like cover B or C. Yeah. I, I, I was like, no, like I need a, and then I, like I'll be okay to buy other covers. But it, like, yeah. I, that's like, A is like my priority. Yeah. Or that's how I am. I just want the A cover. Yeah. So, because yeah, sometimes like I'll, I'll see variants like i'm a huge fan of uh j scott campbell like okay like i i just love his style but okay. like sometimes this stuff just gets like too expensive and like i just like i can't do it yeah it's it's like if i'm gonna spend that much money on like a comic book i'd rather buy like a back issue key you okay. know than like some fucking like 130 ratio variant of like some book i don't know i just don't care about the variants yeah like I only cared if like, like for me, if I thought it like looked cool, like I didn't really care for like its actual worth. Yeah. Yeah. If it's, if the cover's cool, that's like a different story. But like, yeah. dude, people who just like are like, I need the variant. Like, I don't know. It's like, shit, I don't care. I'll go in like on Wednesday and pick up my poll and I'll see like the guy in front of me will have like a humongous fucking stack of books. And I realize he's like only actually pulling like four titles, but he's just like, spending money on like every single variant of like all these four titles. And it's just like, Oh my God, dude, stop. It's yeah. like a waste. So. Yeah, no, I definitely get that. Like, I think like the, the rare times that like I'll buy variants is like, if I really like really like it, um, but that's like really rare. And yeah. the only other times is like, I'll get it. Like if I'm trying to get like a gift for a friend who's into comics, like I know yeah. that'll, that'll be like a cool thing, you know, cause that's like something they probably wouldn't normally have bought. Yeah. Um, or if it's on like a discount, you know? Yeah. The only variant that I have that, that I like really care about or like is, um, my friend Garrett, the kid, the dude who plays guitar in a uh, point of contact, he's really into comics too. Um, he, he bought me a, a gift once he bought me, uh, it's like this, uh, John Byrne black and white variant of, uh, uncanny X-Men number one that came out recently. And it's like a really, that's like a cool variant. So that's like something that I like having, but 
I don't know. Getting a variant just for like the the rarity of it is like I don't care. Yeah, same here because like what well, like working in the shop like sometimes like having to order like a hundred copies just to get like that one variant. Oh, and I'm just like, it's a scam, dude. It's a fucking scam. But whatever. Yeah, I, I kind of like when um like when some of my favorite artists like will do a variant for a book that I just I wouldn't even come to my mind where it just seems like kind of like out of their style. Yeah. But I also kind of like I hate when I pick up I like when I pick up a book and the cover is like at least relatively representative of the art that's going on inside the book, too, because there's been books where I've like seen the cover. I been like, oh, that looks fucking awesome. And then I pick it up and the interiors are completely different. And like I hate it. So I don't know. I wish Marvel would kind of go back to like doing like having I know, you know, it's expensive, but like. You know, it's like you put an Alex Ross cover on everything and then the interiors look nothing like that whatsoever. It's like kind of misleading, especially for somebody who's like a new reader. You know, they like don't really understand that that's kind of how it works sometimes. And they'll come in and be like, oh, this Hulk book looks really cool. And then they'll pick it up and be like, oh, the cover doesn't look like the rest of the book. That's weird. You know? Yeah. Like like the last time I had like a major issue was, um, do you remember uh, Jeff Lemire's Hawkeye run? Yeah. It was like uh, Hawkeye and Kate Bishop. Yeah, um, like I just love the covers, but like I just hated the it, it, the interior like art. And it was just like yeah. so hard for me to read. But like yeah. I, I just love Jeff and his stuff. So I was like, fuck it. I was like, I'm just going to like get over like the art because like I'm not a fan, but like I just want to know the story. Yeah, he's a man. Uh, Descender, um, the image book that he wrote is like one of my favorite indie titles ever. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Oh, but, yeah. Solid writer. Yeah, he rock. Oh. Huh. Okay. Well, I think, I think this might be a good spot to end it. Cool. Cause yeah, I think we pretty much covered everything. Nice. Dude. Um, thank you for, for yeah. doing this. Cause like, I'm, I'm telling you for the longest time I, and like, and, and it's not that like I'm like trying to break into like specific markets, but like, it's just, you know, Florida, like to me, like you guys are just doing like such cool stuff. I was like, man, I have to get somebody from there to talk to me. So I, yeah. I'm just happy that the first person, uh, you know, just happened to be you because like you're yeah. in my opinion, like somebody who's like really important to Florida and like the stuff you're doing is just, um, amazing. Well, I, I appreciate you having me on. Um, it was fun. If you ever want to talk to anybody else in Florida, let me know. I'll point you in the in the right direction to talk to whoever you want to talk to. Okay. And before we go, I always like to yeah. give the guests an opportunity to um, shout out or plug anything. Oh, man. Um, what do I want to plug? Um, the new point of contact record. I know we already talked about it, but it really is incredible. I would say right now my, um, my kind of like holy trinity of current hardcore is uh, – for records that have come out recently is a uh, point of contact LP magnitude LP and the be all end all LP. Those are my three favorite records that came out this year. Those are my three favorite records that came out in a really, really, really fucking long time. Um, so I highly implore you to check out um, those three records. If you're listening to this. All right. Well, that would be- there you have it. Thank you again. Like I seriously, I could, I, I really appreciate it. It means a lot to me. Oh, man, and, for sure. uh, yeah. And we'll, we'll definitely, um, see each other in Florida. Definitely looking forward to that. Yeah. Fuck yeah. So, all right. Well, thank you guys again for listening. This has been another episode of the dreamer K podcast. Always on top. Yeah.